Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action helping others and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, welcome back. Julie and I have a fun show for you guys today. Um, for rituals, that if you do these things, rituals, habits, we can you know, change that word for a bunch of different things. But really, these four critical things, four critical rituals, if you get these right, you're going to find pretty much everything else in your business and your personal life goes well as well. Julie, are you, uh, you there? I think so. You tell me. Yes, you are. Good. Yes. All yes, right, yes. good. This is, this, this is what happens when Julie and I podcast from different offices. You never know if all the technology and all the witchcraft and alchemy is working correctly. Um, we announced earlier this year that we are going to take our podca- uh, podcast to a live streaming um, you know, Internet TV show, and we're still working on that. Here's the problem, and you guys will appreciate this if you live in Texas. Believe it or not, outside of Austin, getting any kind of reliable Internet connection is a little bit sketchy. So this um, – house basically that julie and i bought for the sake of um opening up a podcasting studio is done except the internet it, the connection sucks <laughs> so we we're having to wait we are waiting having to straight we we had our studio done before the technology arrived so we have to wait for the internet gods to decide to sprinkle their fairy dust on the podcasting studio and then we're going to have a live tv show which which is great because that means that we're going to be able to uh, cast on YouTube and on Facebook and other places literally while we're doing the podcast, and then we can start having uh, a lot of guests that will actually show up to the podcast, show up to the studio. So we're really looking forward to that. We were hoping to have it done already, but it's frankly completely out of our control unless I want to figure out how to climb poles and lay fiber optic lines, which I'm not going to do. So, Julie, anybody you'd like to acknowledge, uh, listeners, uh, coaching clients and whatnot, or you just want to jump yeah. right in? I've got a quick little uh, shout-out to Sarah Gibson, who lives in Kentucky, one of our longtime mm. uh, coaching members. She wrote, and she went to our event, so she had posted on our Facebook page. Uh, let's see, wanted to quick share a quick story about the value of identifying your goals. Now, Sarah had gone to our recent Mastermind event, and we had a little section talking about not just setting goals, but being very specific with your goals. She writes, I attended the VIP Mastermind in July with 50 other like-minded professionals. In one session, Tim and Julie encouraged us to share one big goal, such as a beach house, a Ferrari, or the like. My goal that I shared was, jokingly, wife, laugh out loud. I'm married, but I work a lot of hours. She wanted her own wife, basically. Tim asked me what it would cost, and I calculated the amount I felt I could spend. He's always trying to make me think bigger and said, well, double that and get a really good one. Well, when I returned home, this need was on my mind. A week or so later, my housekeeper came, and I asked her if she would consider giving up a few of the houses she cleaned to come work for me two to three days per week. She jumped at the chance and said she had been praying for something like this to happen. When I asked her how much income it was that I would need to replace, it was the same amount I had identified and that I could indeed afford. And she, and she writes, and Tim, she is a great one. <laughs> Moral of the story, identify specifically what you want. You can figure out how to get there. So I thought that was a great little goal setting and achievement testimonial from Miss Sarah Gibson, a really great agent in Kentucky. So I'm ready to jump in on our four critical rituals. Um, Julie, let's talk about upcoming shows because you and I have been working, well, you mostly have been working on a ton of content over the past couple of days. Oh, by the way, 
Thanks to all of you who wished Julie and I or celebrated Julie and I's 27th wedding anniversary with us. We certainly appreciate it. There was, I don't know, hundreds of different people that reached out from different platforms to say happy anniversary. And, yes, we are, we've been married 27 years and what has it been? 27 years, three days now. <laughs> so Julie and I got married. For those of you who didn't know, Julie and I got married when we were 20 and 21. Julie was 20, and she actually couldn't drink at our wedding, which was great for me because I had to pay for the thing. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's that funny too. Out. Also, that here's a true story, guys. So, uh, you know, 27 years, three days ago, when Julie and I got married, uh, we couldn't. Aff- so we went to this uh, beautiful church. Pres- What's it called, Julie and Powell Presbyterian? What was it? Uh, the church we got married. I think it's Powell Presbyterian Liberty Presbyterian. Liberty Presbyterian Church. Yeah, this beautiful church that's up by just it's idyllic setting. Looks like something out of a Hallmark greeting card kind of situation. So we. We didn't go to that church, but we wanted to get married there, so we asked the um, pastor if he would consider marrying us. And he said, sure. And turns out, I know this, of course, but there are tons and tons of fees that you're supposed to be paying to the pastor along the way to marry you. First of all, you can get married in the church for a fee, or you can get married in a field for free. <laughs> you can get – you know, he didn't charge based on how long the ceremony was. But anyway, it, it was inferred that the longer the ceremony, the more would, the fee would be. So we couldn't afford to get married in the church. I don't remember how much it cost. So we had to be outside. On this particular September 15th, uh, 2001 – or 2001, Julie? <laughs> 1991. It was, I know, 1991. It was super hot. Like, super you know, hot. I don't even – yeah. yeah. And we were all we were, right. We were all wearing rented, you know, of course the ladies of course were in dresses, but they're still hot too. But all the men were wearing rented wool tuxedos and we were outside cuz we couldn't afford the air-conditioned church. You know, this whole thing is just kind of funny for us to look back upon with nostalgia, of course. We don't remember the fact that, you know, three people almost had to have an ambulance called because they passed out because it was too hot. Well, I'm joking, but you get the idea. And then we had to have our reception in this little, I think it was a converted like Tent. Well, I was going to say horse stall. That's probably what it was. And, you know, Julie's aunts, uh, it was nice. It was cute. It was simple. It was, um, I think, a good starting point for Julie and I. And uh, then we, you know, we went, we drove up to uh, Lake Erie and uh, stayed in one of our uh, friend's um, condos that they had up there. So, I mean, that was our humble beginnings, I think that's a good way of explaining. Yeah. And by the end of that weekend, I think it was almost snowing. It started out at like 95 degrees and humid. And by the end of yeah. our long honeymoon weekend on Lake Erie, it, we were freezing like crazy on the way back. It was just, yeah, that's, you know, adventure. That's, that's that part of the world. Yeah, we, we drove up there in a geo tracker, if you guys remember what those are. And, um, yeah, it was warm when it started, and the Julie was right. Like two days, three days later, it was flurrying, I and mean, that's how fast in September that time of year or that it's happening right now. Hey, how about that? I bet you guys are getting cold. Actually, some coaching clients in Montana just emailed me, Julie, and said the lows are now down in the 30s again. So, oh. yeah, man, winter's coming. No. How about that? No surprise. Right. But anyway, listen, I just wanted to thank all of you uh, for taking the time to wish us um, and congratulate us for our 27-year wedding anniversary. It was, um, it's, it doesn't, and I said this on Facebook too, and I mean it. Julie, does it? I mean, it's kind of funny to say it feels like 27 years, but does it feel like 27 years? Isn't that crazy? Not really. I know time flies. Isn't that weird though to think about? Three freaking decades. I know it's incredible. 
Anyway, so Julie and I are going to start waxing nostalgic here if we don't stop ourselves, and that's not the reason you guys listen to the podcast. So look, we're going to get right back to it. So these are the four critical things that you guys need to be focused on. And when you do these four critical things, and you do these at a high level, you're going to find that for the most part, your success comes easier with a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot less consternation and procrastination. So Julie, you wrote these notes. Oh, future shows, this is what I was wanting to share with you guys. Um, we're going to be doing, because we've been getting more and more questions about switching brokerages, the normal questions that come up towards the end of the year. How do I switch a brokerage? How do I switch brokerage? Should I switch brokerages? A lot of you guys are asking about virtual brokerages, which frankly is incredible and very interesting. And I've been studying that for the sake of podcasts. A lot of you have been asking about end of the year, business planning, things like that. So that's what we're going to be focusing on through the fourth quarter. I caution all of you not to throw in the towel. A lot of you, I get the sense from reading and listening that some of you are looking for an excuse not to really stay drilled down for the rest of the year. That's an enormous mistake. And um, here's the bottom line. Your new year has already started. The connections and the contacts you're making now are the ones that are going to basically uh, be the ones that result in paychecks in the spring, in the early summer. Remember, guys, in a changing market like what we're experiencing now. The contact to paycheck cycle is going to be probably four to six months in most of the country. That doesn't mean it's going to take four to six months to sell your listings every time. What I'm saying is from the initial contact with a prospective seller, let's say, then to the point where you know you go through the whole process, get the house sold, and you're getting your paycheck, expect that to take five to six months. A lot of you, most of you, have been spoiled. It's taking, on average for most of you, less than 60 days. All that is going to change, so you need to be financially prepared. The only way for you to offset that is going to be having more listings. And those of you who have become so dependent on buying buyer leads and working with buyers and the only listings you get are the occasional centers of influence and past client um, opportunities, I am fearful for you because in a market shift like this, you're the ones that are going to suffer the most. So I strongly suggest that while there's still time before it's really painful, this market shift, that you absolutely positively um, – Learn how to be a listing agent. All right, Julie, let's jump in. All right, you got it. So four critical rituals to change your life. And number one is probably the ro most robust. There's a lot to this, but it's really important to get this one. Number one, the ritual of simply doing one thing and only one thing at a time. Multitasking is a myth. We sacrifice our power of being present when we're multitasking, and we do so for a perceived benefit of improved productivity that simply doesn't exist. There's been a ton of research on this. I won't cite all of the different things that I've read, but they come from places like Psychology Today and uh, scientific magazines and things like this. But the research does indicate that multitaskers are actually less likely to be productive, yet they feel more emotionally satisfied with their work because they're creating an illusion of productivity. So be honest when we're talking about this in real estate. Do you check social media apps on your phone while you're sitting in your office meeting or when you're spending time with family and friends or even with a buyer meeting? Do you do that? Do you eat lunch at your desk or while you're on the freeway? Is the TV on in your home even when you're busy doing other things? Do you send occasional text messages while driving? I can tell you, Tim, since I started taking Zoe to school and picking her up there and back twice a day, I see some crazy stuff on the road. People like eating and texting at the same time. So we know that this goes on, sometimes at your desk, sometimes in the car. But the biggest cost of doing multiple things at once, assuming that you don't crash from the occasional texting and driving, is the gradual decline in your productivity and happiness over the long term. So you see it actually works against you. When you're in the habit of persistently dividing your attention, 
you're only partially engaged in each activity, but rarely focused on any one. That's a dizzying lack of focus that eventually trips you up and destroys your productivity. So let's use a quick metaphor to bring this home. Let's say you hold a magnifying glass over a little pile of dry leaves as the sun shines bright on the hottest afternoon of the whole year. Nothing will happen as long as you keep moving the magnifying glass quickly from the left to the right and all over the place. But as soon as you hold that magnifying glass still and focus the sun's rays on one single leaf, the pile of leaf, uh, leaves ignites into flames. So this brings me to one of our Harris rules or mantras. The word focus, F-O-C-U-S, stands for follow one course until successful. That's the power of focusing on one thing at a time. You know, one of the things that I read, Tim, said that they studied people's brains who were trying to multitask, and it wasn't all actually happening simultaneously. What was happening was the, the synapses were rapidly turning on and off, and that that is actually very exhausting to the human brain and shaves, you know, years off of your life because you're working your brain harder than it should. So the opportunity that happens in your, on your daily basis is to realize that you're the magnifying glass, you're the focus, that you can intentionally focus the energy you get from the world on one leaf at a time. So when you do so, you can ignite flames that move your projects, your dreams, your relationships, your goals, everything around you forward. So that's my talk about point number one, is to lose the multitasking. It's, it's come to having to be regulated that you're not allowed to text on the, you know, on the freeway. And, you know, some states you can't even be on the phone. Anything you want to add to that, Tim, from coaching calls or other experiences with the alleged multitasking? No, not really, except, I mean, you hit on the high points. It is fascinating how it has become a bit of a, you know, it's almost become a gentrified to women are better at multitasking than men and, you know, all these silly things that have come out. But really – I know for personally I don't I intentionally don't allow myself to multitask to the point to the point where if I'm working on something, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Um and somebody tries to interrupt me either digitally or in real life, it's almost always digital, I'll just completely ignore it. So, you know, we have workplace Facebook chat, we have all these different chats that go on because we have we are personally a virtual company and we have dozens of people who work for us and throughout the day I have many, many opportunities to be distracted and get no, get nothing done. Um, and, uh, yeah, they do their best to try to do that, you know, distract me and grab my attention throughout the day. But I literally just mute all those conversations, and I work on – usually what I'll do is from my to-do list, um, these are things that I can't delegate. There will be three to five things that I try to get done at a high level um, every day. That's going to be, you know, uh, you know, stuff that's going to be focused on being of service to our customers, our clients, our members, but also motivational and educational for the sake of the staff. So I have three to five very core uh, things that I focus on every day. And then I have three to five projects that I'm working on. Maybe there's some writing, some copy editing. Maybe there's something that an assignment Julie sent me for her next book that she wants me to add content to, something like that. That's how I manage my life personally. I'm not going to try to get a whole bunch of stuff done simultaneously or throughout the day because then it just doesn't get done efficiently. It get, and I, even when Julie and I, you know, 27 and a half years ago when it was just a Tim and Julie show, I certainly didn't uh, – I probably wasn't as disciplined about not knowing uh, that I shouldn't be di uh, multitasking, but I've always – it's always it's easier just to drill down on one specific thing and get it done at the highest level. And I'll tell you something else that I see, Julie, that's part and parcel of multitasking, is people that think they can multitask 
have a habit of finishing things like never finishing things. They get a whole bunch yeah. of stuff half done or you know 75% done. Open loops and their everywhere. Life is all, yeah, there's open loops. That's what I like to call them. There's open loops everywhere. So you'll see it in their personal life. You'll see a bed that's half made. You'll see dishes that are half cleaned. You'll see, you know, you'll see that they've been holding on to that last 10 pounds that they thought they were going to lose, <laughs> you know, all that type of thing. That's somebody that basically doesn't have the discipline to actually finish something that they start. And the easiest way to do it, opposed to trying to worry about the psychology and the woo-woo of it all, is just stop multitasking. Stop seeing the glory and thinking that you can somehow that you have multiple brains running in your in your skull at the same time, and just give yourself the ability to finish one thing completely before you move on to the next. And Julie, you can expand this idea and just look at what we tell people when they're building their lead generation spokes. So many of you guys will get started on doing one particular lead generation spoke, and you. And you won't finish it, and you'll go on to another one, and you'll go on to another one. So you have all these half-done things that are supposed to be generating you leads. And if someone asks you, what are you doing to generate leads? You're going to kind of lie to yourself and lie to the person you're talking to. You're going to say, oh, I prospect. Oh, I do direct mail. I have a Facebook campaign. I have, you know, you're going to rattle off. I do social network, you know, I, I uh, centers of influence, past clients. Okay, so what is exactly, tell me, and this is if from a coaching perspective, this is where the conversation goes. All right, so tell me, for example, about let's just say your outbound proactive lead generation you're prospecting what are you doing for that and then you know we'll ask so do you have are you subscribing to one of the systems that goes in and pulls out all the expireds every single morning finds the phone numbers finds all the contact information does all the homework for you and then you're where you're using an io dialer to call those people so you can uh you know solicit expireds are you doing that no all right, so what's your, what are you doing to call it? Well, once a week I'll go into the system and I'll pull off the things and then I'll have my assistant look up phone number. Oh, I get it. So you're not really doing expires to say you're proactively lead generating. What's kind yeah, of not say, really well, true. I got Vulcan 7 or I got Red X, but I don't know how to use it yet. Like they took one right. step and abandoned the focus. Or centers of influence and past clients. That's another place you guys love to be lazy. Is you, okay, what are you doing? Well, I'm mailing them stuff. Oh, great. So you're mailing them stuff along with every single person. You know, Everybody mails crap because everybody wants to do something passive that doesn't require any skill. So uh, tell me about what – are you calling them? No. Are you, are you doing anything whatsoever to acknowledge when somebody actually is sending you a referral? No. Are you doing any of the real work necessary to get anything from your centers of influence and past client list? Nope. Just mailing them stuff. You see what you guys do? You, do you understand how these things that a lot of you do are just basically designed to put a Band-Aid on it and not actually solve the problem? So you got to realize when we're talking about you know, stopping multitasking here, and we're still on point two, got to see how these things really do carry through in other aspects of your life. Julie? Yeah, another place that I see that when we research uh, potential coaching clients or somebody's looking for a free coaching call and we look you guys up, just to see what your online profiles are like. Sometimes it's the unfinished website with just the shadow picture or something like that, or you'll turn up four or five different places like that, and then we call and your voicemail is full. That is a symptom of, it's kind of an early warning sign for coaches, by the way, who, you know, what we're dealing with, that you're lacking that focus, that ability to follow through and finish the task. So related to this, one of the most important things that you can first apply this to is the ritual, this is point number two, Ritual of calling 100% of your leads back urgently 100% of the time. It doesn't make sense to add on any lead generation spokes when you're not the best at following up on what you already have. 
This specific habit can improve your production by as much as 50% year over year. If you're a Premier Coaching client, follow the 18 Relentless Lead Follow-Up Rules and see how your business has changed forever, with the most important one being follow-up 100% every single day you need to be at the end of your lead follow-up, and then it won't be this big daunting experience where you've got some of your leads on sticky notes and others of them in top producer and some of them are website leads and your perception is that you've got tons of leads you just haven't followed up on them yet well you might but are these quality and then then you come to coaching saying well i need more lead generation we start with are you following the ritual of actually calling your existing leads back so you know what you've actually got on your plate this is a major pitfall for agents that have been in the business long enough to survive and you know, create some lead generation, but have kind of stagnated and aren't sure how to get to that next level. And that's why they get tempted by things like you know, buying leads and hitting the easy button and all that. This actually is the easy button to get better and be 100% on top of it. Anything you want to add to that ritual of calling leads back as soon as humanly possible, furiously fast? All right. Well, I think it's incredible how many companies have emerged. There's three or four. You know, every time we talk about this on our podcast, I just know that there's some agents out there that are going, holy shit, i got to do this. Well, right. let me tell you what I'm talking about, guys. There's three or four companies that have emerged that are basically, this is the insanity of what's going on in the market right now. And by the way, Zillow is going to do this too. Actually, let's just use Zillow as an example. So um, Zillow is now going to start referring leads to you. Leads, okay, you, let me just get this clear. They're going to refer leads to you. I don't have a problem with that. That makes sense. Matter of fact, I kind of love that idea versus you guys buying leads. I love the idea that they're going to have to generate a lead and cultivate a lead, and they're going to have to basically then send the lead to you and, you know, the rest of it. You know, that's good. That's traditional. Kind of like that. That works. The idea of you guys spending $5,000 a month for a bunch of buyer leads, most of which don't really translate to anything, that doesn't work. And, and by the way, that's going to really not work as soon as the economy and the housing market really starts to noticeably change. So what Zillow has done is they're testing this in Florida right now, and there's other companies that are doing similar things. Relocation companies have been doing this forever. Is What Zillow is going to do is they're going to start generating leads. So let's just stick with buyers because that's primarily what they deal with. They're going to start generating buyer leads, and then they're going to sell those buyer leads to you in the form of a referral fee. So there's people that are just trying to figure out what the referral fee is going to be. Most people surmise that it's probably going to be in the 50% range. So I want you guys to think about this for a second. A buyer lead, which is the easiest thing in the world to get, if you want a buyer lead, just get one listing. If you want to know how to get listings, sign up for our coaching program. Listings are the key, the lifeblood for your business, for the, econ for the housing market, for the, anything to do with housing. I said it was about to say economy. You know, maybe I reeled that back too fast. Maybe it is the lifeblood of the economy. We'll see. But the point is, is that what Zillow is going to do is they're going to generate listings. They're going to sell those listings. I'm sorry, buyer leads, and they're going to sell those buyer leads to you, probably charge a 50% referral fee. Okay. How does this actually – how does this translate money-wise? The average sale price in the United States, let's just say – I know it's not this high, but let's say it's $300,000. The average commission is not 3% of $300,000 anymore. The average commission on the buyer side is something like 2.75%. There's every reason to believe that buyer agent commissions are going to be decreasing in, um, in the, the upcoming housing market, not increasing. So let's do some quick math. 300000 there's 2.75%. Okay, 8250 8250 is what the average commission is going to be on the high side. Zillow is going to uh, uh, charge 50%. Now we're down to 4125 And then most of you are going to be on a 
80% split with your broker. So that's going to leave you $3,300. So here's where it gets really fascinating. If you're on a team, so if you're an individual practitioner and you accept a, a referral from Zillow, um, a buyer referral, assuming they continue to scale their uh, buyer lead, uh, you know, their referral program, you're going to make 3300 bucks assuming that buyer buys. Here's how it gets even more interesting. If you are, you know, that's assuming you're in an 80-20 split with your broker. If you're on a team, most teams don't pay 50%. They pay 35%. So most team members whose um, team leaders are buying buyer leads from Zillow or will start taking these referrals, you guys are going to see your average commission drop even further. But realistically, would you take a referral where you are going to have to, after paying all the fees and whatnot, where you are going to make only $3,000? Would you do that? Because I need you to really think hard about whether or not that's a sustainable business for you or a business model for you. It's pretty, it's pretty much not. You're going to be better off in virtually all cases if you've been working at Home Depot. Take the, the amount of time you're going to be spending with that buyer. And it's not going to be a short while because, as you guys know, you know, working with buyers is not the easiest of things. Calculate that, how much you're actually getting paid per hour. In most cases, I'll say it again, it is an absolutely horrible use of your time, and you'd be incredibly well-served to be focusing your best energies on listings. Here's where the model is going to scale in other cases, and this is, again, already happening. Because you guys aren't doing your own lead follow-up and you aren't calling your own leads back, that's the reason that companies like Zillow can exist and do those extortion-level uh, referral fees. Because you're not willing or able to do the simple job of calling leads back and pre-qualifying them. There are companies now, and there's quite a few of them, who charge a 30% referral fee, 25 to 30%, to call the leads. Remember I said Zillow is creating their own leads, which is kind of an interesting model, which you know, fundamentally it's not bad. If, you're, if the referral they're sending to you is high enough and the math works, well, then hell, take it. Um, but I assure you guys what's going to happen, and it happened with Sendent, it happened with all these relocation companies, is, what's going to, is the referral fees are going to even be more than you think. They're probably not going to be 50%. They're probably going to be more like 65% than minus your broker split. And new agents and agents who know how to lead generate, they'll line up for them. Of course they will. Long story short, if you're thinking that there's a future in buying leads, you're wrong because they're going to continue to squeeze you. They're going to continue to take money out of your pocket to the point where it just doesn't make sense for you to be in real estate. That's the reason you need to, one of the many reasons why you need to pivot your best energies and go after being a listing agent. When you are considering hiring somebody to convert leads that you've purchased, and if you're not putting pen to paper and figuring out how much money you're spending just to compensate for your laziness, you've really got to question whether or not you should be a business owner because it doesn't make any sense. You're not going to make any profit. You're literally not going to make any profit. You might push transactions and do units, but there will be nothing to show for it. At the end of the year, you'll be sitting down with your accountant, and the accountant will say, well, hey, congratulations, you made more money than you made last year. And then you'll be like, that's right, I am the number one agent, and I got all these plaques and these awards, and woohoo, look at me. And then your accountant will say, well, you owe you know, $60,000 in taxes, and you'll be like, what? what? Taxes? The hell yeah. is taxes? <laughs> or you'll be in a situation yeah. where... He'll, he'll go, oh, and by the way, what are you going to do about this $27,000 credit card bill? And you're going to be going like, uh, 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 I thought there was a oh, big yeah. transaction that I used that was to buy in. leads with. Yeah, exactly. I used to buy leads or pay for my branding 
or my logo. You guys get the insanity of all this? I mean, really, it's, it's, got, it's gotten to the point where everyone, if you can't laugh at how many companies have emerged during this, uh, you know, this boom seller's market to compensate for aging laziness. If you, these are the types of companies, I promise you guys, you know, three years from now, people will be looking back and we'll be on this podcast, we'll say, how is it possible that, that agents were willing to pay 30% referral fees just for the sake of having someone else call a lead back and have probably a 10-minute conversation with them to fully pre-qualify. How is it possible that agents thought that was a good idea? I mean, folks, you have to see the insanity of some of the things that you're doing. These businesses wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the sake of agents just being lazy. It wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the sake of agents just not having the skill set to know how to do their own jobs. Sorry if it seems a little harsh, but it's true, isn't it? Look, but, you know, I it know is not saying. entirely their fault because there is no question on the real estate exam that goes like this. Explain the difference between gross and net with regards to your commission. <sighs> Nobody That's teaches right. them that. I mean, we get that question all the time in coaching. What, what is the difference between gross and net? Nobody teaches you that you don't get to keep all of that commission that your broker cuts to you. You've got to take into account your broker split, your taxes, what you paid for the lead, paid for a lead conversion. You're paying for CRMs. Some of you aren't even using those. You know, you've got to look at these things. And I'm sorry that nobody really takes the time on the front end of when you're all geeked up about getting licensed and, you know, getting your, into sales and real estate. I'm sorry that nobody, probably but us, teaches you that stuff. I, I think that that is a failing in the intake of newer agents. And some people bubble around for like four, five, six years before they figure this out, if they last that long. No, they fail. So, they fail. They fail out. They fail out. Painfully. In, and, and you yeah. have to – industry, guys listening, 140 or 60, I don't know how many of us, you have to ask yourselves, why is it that um, – Why? look, I know why the businesses exist. The businesses exist to take advantage of – uh, agents in industry ignorance. That's really the bottom line. That and laziness. That's just cutting through all of it, okay? It's not efficiency. It's not because your time is worth more. It's not because you like to delegate. It's not because you think that you need to get to the seventh level so you can no. You're just basically being lazy and, oh, you know what? You're going to have somebody on your staff that's going to call the leads back. Okay, that's okay. That's fine. And you don't have to pay them a full fee. You can pay them a flat fee. Well, let's look at the math on that. Let's see actual how much profit you're making off those transactions. Let's see how efficient they are. There's certain things that you guys need to never delegate. And I'll tell you what they are. Going on listing presentations, uh, doing proactive lead generation every day. You can delegate all of these things, but as soon as you do, you set you lose so much profit and you lose so much efficiency that your business becomes unprofitable. Uh, Julie and I used to go on two and sometimes three listing appointments a day, and it sucked. And that we couldn't do a lot of other things. This is before we had Zoe. You know, this is back when we sold real estate, which was forever ago. But the fact is, is through our 20s and our early 30s, that's what we did. Tons and tons of listing appointments. And it got to be a drag. I get it. But the second we delegated it, or because we did try to, that we went, Julie and I would take 9 out of 10 listings that we went on. As soon as we delegated it, then it went down to 50%. And then we had to pay that person. So the profitability from that side of the business just got decimated. A buyer agent side, forget about it. If you, it was almost impossible to make a real profit off buyer agent transactions back in the 90s. Now, with you guys buying leads and all these other things that you're paying for to – 
you know, essentially facilitate agent laziness, you are making even less profit. So if you cut through all the Mickey Mouse, the most efficient real estate businesses are ones where the uh, rainmaker or whatever you want to call it is still active in the business, is still participating in transactions, but that person's energies every day, best energies are focused on taking listings. This is the reason that Julie and I created the magic number formula. So you guys would have a respite from all the Mickey Mouse about that's been so you know essentially beaten into your heads since you've gotten the business. Those of you who've only been in the business for ten years. Listen, I'm here to tell you that the most profitable way for you to run a real estate practice is you this – is, this is the maturity of your business. You and maybe three assistants, you're going to need a transaction coordinator. You're going to need somebody to basically take care of your, your sellers, uh, you know, essentially like a listing concierge, and you're going to need somebody to run around, take care of you know, whatever. You can delegate the last one, but the first two, you're going to need to have those people on staff. You can hire those people virtually and do these jobs for you. Other than that – you don't need any staff. You need, to get, you need to get on the phones. You need to be prospecting. You need to be doing proactive lead generation. You need to be doing social things to make it so you're out there. It, it, look at all the top agents in your marketplace, the ones that actually are millionaires, if not multimillionaires, not the ones that are just walking around with this army of assistants following them around at real estate events, just look like they're the hot swat. I'm talking about people that actually have accumulated significant wealth in their real estate careers. They run a model exactly like what I just told you. Every single person, every single top producer I've ever run into, that's their business model. We measure top producers not just by transactions and by units. We measure, trans we me measure top producers if they're rich or not. And that's where the money works for them, and they no longer have to work for their money. They've given up on the uh, illusion that they're building an asset through their real estate practice. They're not. Your business is not sellable. If you want to call one for one, you uh, net 100000 and you sell for 100000 And by the way, the person buying your business is not actually going to write you a check for 100000 They're going to write you a check for, say, 20000 and then they're going to make you stick around for the next five years and hit a hit certain milestone, or you'll never see the other 80000 That's how these real estate teams and brokerages, how most of them get sold. That's really how it's done, folks. If you think that is building an asset, you're wrong. You are just essentially selling something for nothing. You might as well have kept the business. Real estate businesses, aren't, and there's not just our industry, guys. Most businesses are like this. They will never get you rich. Give up the idea that your chiropractic or your dentistry business or all these others are going to get you rich. You get rich from the profit that comes from the business that you, you – know, the business acts as an ATM machine. Then that produces a profit, and then you reinvest that profit. If you don't have profit from your business to reinvest, you'll never be rich. You might have a nice lifestyle. You might have nice things. You might have a nice house, but you're never going to be rich. Rich is where your money works for you. You no longer work for your money. You wake up every single morning, and there's paychecks digitally or maybe even paper-wise that are being sent to you from the assets that are producing income. That's what I want for all of you guys. Do you want that for yourselves? Do you? It's interesting, isn't it? So listen, guys, we're running a little bit late, obviously. If there's anything we can do for you, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Um, FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com, FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com. Don't waste any more time, guys. Get your head screwed on straight. Your new year has already began. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, 
Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.